1: Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
0: It's time to play like a jet with your host Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here they come on third and five. Wilson, boy, well, somehow escapes. He's gonna run for it. Plenty of green grass. Wilson stays in bounds. He's still going, and he's in touchdown. Zach Wilson. Touchdown! Toon is buried! Iowa Sauce Gardner! Coming in hot! Aaron Wilson! Here he goes! Goodbye and hello Enzo! Van Dyke swarmed, swallowed and sacked. Guess who? You only got one guess. Jermaine Johnson. Here's Brees Hall, looking for history! Hall with his 24th straight game with a rushing touchdown! Into the NCAA record books! Listen.
1: From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet 1. And we've got some breaking news. Dwayne Brown, the offensive tackle who spent his entire career split between the Houston Texans and the Seattle Seahawks has signed with the New York Jets. This is something that was in the works for a while, but obviously once Mekhi Becton went down for sure, we knew that there was a huge sense of urgency on the Jets' side. I'm sure Dwayne Brown preferred it after that as well because he knew he could come in and start, whereas otherwise he might have been a backup or somebody who had to compete for a starting job elsewhere with the Jets. In all likelihood, he's going to slot right in there. And so to break down this news and also break down the film because he's got a fantastic all 22 video of Dwayne Brown up on the play like a jet YouTube channel is the thunder from down under Mr. Luke Grant Luke what's up brother
2: I'm doing pretty well these are the kind of signings you love Scott because it's kind of prefaced a few days before I had the tape ready to go and then once the Jets signed him was able to put it all together and make a video so this is the best I like this part of the offseason where you can kind of see these moves being premeditated and uh, I think it's a pretty good move for the Jets
1: We should start by saying, before we get into the film, it's a two-year, $22 million deal. No idea exactly how the mechanics of the deal work. We're going to find that out over the next couple of days. For most Jets fans, I don't think it really matters as long as they're able to make it work cap-wise It was a move that had to be made They desperately needed somebody that could start on the offensive line We'll get into the statistics a little bit here PFF gave him a grade of about 71, which is pretty good And for whatever it's worth, he was 26th in the NFL among eligible tackles In pass block win rate Pretty solid for a guy who's 37 years old Also, he's been a left tackle his entire career So you have to figure that with this move George Fant shifts back over from left tackle to right tackle There's no way you're going to ask Dwayne Brown Who's 37 years old and spent his entire career at left tackle To now shift to right tackle So those are the basics Luke It's really very difficult to do any better than this When you're talking about August and being a month away from the regular season Of course this does also mean that Dwayne Brown hasn't had any training camp And he's going to take a while to get acclimated But overall there's very little negative you can say about this move Considering the circumstances
2: Yeah, I think, look, Dwayne definitely got a bump in his salary after Makai Becton went down. I think he obviously got some more leverage because he now recognized the desperate situation the Jets were in. And that's fine. This isn't our money. This is the Johnson's money. You've got the salary cap. That's what it's there to use. I think you hit the nail on the head. If you can get a guy who comes in in the 50th or 60th percentile of pass blocking and tackles, you're not going to get any better than that in August unless a team is looking to move an Orlando Brown or someone like that in a mega deal that the Jets don't want to get involved in. The only negative, Scott, is, yes, I think George Fant is going to struggle more on the right-hand side, but in my ideal world, Mackay Becton would have been playing left tackle anyway. That's how I would have done it, different to what uh, Sulla and Lafleur decided on. So, look, we'll see how this plays out, but I think this is the best-case scenario based on what was there. Max Mitchell competes now with Tumor Doga to become the swing tackle, and I think they've got a
1: serviceable group. I'll be honest, Luke, I wouldn't guarantee that Chuma Adoga or Connor McDermott ends up on the final roster. I think the Jets are going to be looking for another experienced player to potentially be the swing tackle, to be what they thought Dwayne Brown was going to be before Makai Becton went down. Max Mitchell has a lot of potential, but I don't think he's ready to play significant snaps yet, so I would expect the Jets to still be in the hunt for somebody like, say, Bobby Massey with a significant amount of starting experience. I don't think they're going to rely on Chuma, Doga, Connor McDermott or Max Mitchell, even if they think Mitchell could be a legitimate player for them at the tackle spot in the future for the long haul. I think right now they realize they've got to get somebody in here who can step in if George Fink gets hurt again or something happens to Dwayne Brown, who is 37 years old. And so let's talk about 37-year-old Dwayne Brown, Luke, and break down his film. We'll begin with the fact that he's a really good scheme fit. Yeah,
2: I think... He is a natural fit. He's played in some offenses that are kind of predicated around the same things as the Jets offense. Uh, let's start with kind of the run game fit. What you get out of Makai Becton and George Fan and what you have got out of those guys, are great mobility, the ability to travel east-west along the line of scrimmage, to use them on pin pulls, to climb to the second level on outside zones, and watching the tape literally from the very first rep of Dwayne Brown's 2021 season against the Colts, he was used on a pin pull on this kind of outside zone look combo play. And he gets out in space. He goes 15 yards laterally. He hits the safety. He drives him almost off the screen. And it was almost like looking at a mini version of, of Mekhi Becton and what he's done in, in games like against San Francisco in 2020. So that's something you immediately notice. You know that Lafleur is going to love his mobility in the run game. And you really do see it when he's moving to the second level. But even more than that, he also has outstanding athleticism in a phone booth. What I mean by that is athleticism for an offensive tackle isn't always sprinting 10 yards down or laterally along the line of scrimmage. Sometimes it is a reach block. What does that mean? Let's say the uh, defensive end or defensive tackle has inside technique and you have to move inside and then try and seal them to the outside. He has explosive hips. He's got quick enough feet, and he has the experience to understand how to navigate those situations, how to work his hands inside, and then get that reach block, execute, flip his hips, and seal. That opens up the lane for the running backs. There were a ton of examples where you saw him doing it. Um, I think that he is going to straight away walk in and be an above-average run blocker. He has realistically been. He's a five-time pro bowler, and that's pretty exciting. So I think that's something that Jets fans have to love as far as scheme fit. It's just an absolute natural... Uh, natural position for him, obviously. He's not going to play right tackle, he's going to play left tackle. But the the, the use of movements, pin pulls, uh, zone running schemes with a little bit of gap mixed in, I think that is an ideal situation for Dwayne Brown.
0: Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
1: Luke, one thing you have to like about Dwayne Brown, and this comes with his experience is that he's fantastic with recognition and he really knows how to use his hands. He'll pick up on stunts and different blitzes and figure out what the opposing pass rushers are doing and then is able to diagnose what to do and how to use his hands. Again, this is something you pick up with the vast amount of experience Dwayne Brown has and it's one of his biggest pluses at this stage of his career.
2: Yeah, and I think it's especially important in this situation, Scott, because the Jets have now experienced a late change based on what they were hoping for combinations and they're gonna have to move george Fant to right so you're getting a new combination with george Fant and avt on the right side and now dwayne brown plays with tomlinson for the first time in his career the jets really struggled adapting at the start of last year with stunts and twists the panthers games they just got destroyed the communication was poor when you have a guy like tomlinson who's 30 and is a vet and then you pair him with dwayne brown who's 37 and seen every single look under the sun that's really big. You can hit the ground running better than the Jets could have handled this situation and did handle this situation last year. Using some examples on film, I think there's two areas that stand out. The first is picking up stunts and twists and different blitzes. His vision, uh, his ability to see things in his peripheral is at a very high level. Again, look at the first game of the year when they played the Colts. He was able to pick up a number of stunts. It isn't just that he passes off the crushing defensive end. He'll be physical and he'll make the job for the right guard significantly easier. That's what you want to see. He then has the wherewithal to pick up his man on the twist or stunt, and it just looks very, very natural. The other time that you see that experience for Dwayne Brown is when there are unique pass rushing moves or uh, guys have a certain skill set or a bag they like to execute in a certain situation. I saw it when he played against guys like Von Miller. And um and uh, Floyd and all those guys in Los Angeles. There was a couple of examples where they went to execute things like a cross chop, and he didn't shoot his hands early. He waited till they went for that euro step footwork. They're off balance, and then he shoots there his hands and gets them out of the pitcher and out into the uh, into the backfield past the quarterback. Von Miller a couple of times wanted to take these really obscure routes where he'd go around the chipping tight end. And almost coming at a 90 degree angle, he knew how to uh, combat that. He knew what he was doing and he knew what to expect from those rushes. So I think the LA game was a great example of how he can adapt, how his intelligence and how he's seen every single look. And that makes it so much easier for him. The experience is going to be a huge plus for this line.
1: One other thing that really stood out to me on his tape, and Luke, you pointed this out very astutely. On our YouTube channel youtube.com slash play like a jet in your Dwayne Brown video is that Dwayne Brown has excellent recovery capabilities so if he gets beat or he gets out leveraged he figures out a way mid play even after he's gotten beat to readjust and keep pass rushers from getting to the quarterback giving that quarterback time to move around and get rid of the ball I think understanding when you're beat and figuring out How to find a way to make that play work anyway is something that very few tackles can do well consistently, but Dwayne Brown does.
2: Yeah, when you play a reactory position like corner or like offensive tackle, you're always having to account for the fact that you aren't dictating the play and there's a significant chance that someone is going to beat you. So what does that loss initially look like? Does it result in a sack or a touchdown for a corner? Or you do, do you have the capabilities to make up for it and to still get a stalemate? It isn't always about winning the rep. Sometimes if you can just wipe the slate clean and move on to the next one, that's just as good. as. You don't want to be getting behind the chains. That's just crippling for an offense. I think this ability is kind of a good and a bad thing. It's a double-edged sword. I love that occasionally against Pittsburgh, against San Francisco, uh, a couple of other games as well, Green Bay, he had his hands wide. And when he lost at the point of contact and the point of attack, he did a good job trying to work those hands back inside and then his ability to drop his anchor. So what does that mean? That means he wants to stick his butt towards the ground, he wants to straighten up his back, and he wants to stand up the rusher and just stonewall. There were four or five examples, and I didn't even touch on all of them in the video because you only want to show certain uh, people that a certain amount of times, but he has that capability and you saw it. It was pretty prevalent on his film. Now the negative of that, Scott, is that there were other games where his hand usage was a real problem. And he was sitting back on his heels. And the, the two words I kept using with his hands were they were late and they were wide. What does that mean? It means he was letting the tackle get the so sorry, the defensive end get the first punch. He was letting them control the chest, therefore control the leverage. He was getting stood upright, and his hands were often wrapped around the back of the um, of the rushing player. And that's an issue because you have no ability to stop it. So as a result, he was bull rushed into the quarterback a number of times. A guy like Marcus Davenport gave him some troubles. Um, Joey Bosa had his way with him. You kind of come to expect that. Even um, against Green Bay, uh, Merciless had a sack. Rashawn Gary gave him some troubles. So those speed to power guys who could convert and take advantage of the wide hands, that was a significant issue and the biggest issue I saw on Dwayne Brown's film but you still like the fact that he has the ability to recover because we know that this is not a perfect position. This is not a perfect sport. Come away with a stalemate sometimes, and he has a good ability to do so.
1: Luke, you did a video on the pin-pull concept that Mike LaFleur used to pretty good success last year, and I assume he's going to continue to do it this year. That's a concept, and there are several others that he's used that Dwayne Brown executes very well. Talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, I already kind of prefaced the the rep against the Colts, but there were significant other plays that I watched and went, yeah, you can just see that uh, lateral mobility and, and the um, athleticism in space really come to the fore for Dwayne Brown. And There was another rep, I actually can't remember which game it was, but when I went back and watched it, I thought it was his, i say it in the video actually, it was his most impressive rep of the season. So a pin pull means you're getting a... A defensive lineman who is going to be contained by a wide receiver or a tight end who's down blocking or crash blocking. And as a result of that, you're using the, mix, the mismatch of the pulling offensive lineman or offensive guard out in space against a safety to pave the way as a lead blocker. When he's used in that role, he's very, very good. The reason I liked this play so much, I believe it was against Arizona or Chicago, one of those late games in the season, was because not only did he get out in space – When he got there, there was no one in front of him. He was looking for the first force, because that's how you're taught. You look for the first force, you drive them off the screen. He didn't see anyone. Then he saw someone flash from the inside. He's running at full speed towards the sideline, stops on a dime, pivots back towards the quarterback in the line of scrimmage, and then seals that player to the inside to give his running back space toward the sideline. That was a great example of athleticism. And I know sometimes people see these 315 pound men on television and they think they're not great athletes. To be that size, moving that quickly, and then have the athleticism to stop, turn, flip your hips, and seal, it was a remarkable job. So I think LaFleur is definitely going to have fun with him in those pin looks. It was what I saw as his best ability in the running game.
1: Luke, talk a little bit more about his run blocking, because obviously that's one of Makai Becton's strongest skill sets. I think there's definitely a drop-off from Becton to Dwayne Brown in this area, but Brown might be a little bit better than people think.
2: Yeah, I think Makai Becton's ceiling is the best run-blocking offensive lineman in the NFL. And I think that's what it could have been next to Elijah Tucker. Unfortunately, we have to come with plan B now. Do I have more confidence in this year as a 37-year-old, him being average or above as a pass blocker or a run blocker? I'd choose the run blocking. It's the versatility. He has strength. But this is the other thing that I kind of did notice. A lot of the times when the Seahawks were breaking off these 20 and 30-yard runs, which they had pretty good success with guys like Collins and also Rashad Perry, uh, sorry, Penny, um, they were often running right. Now, that's good and bad. He can be used as a lead blocker like we saw, but playing on the left, are they going to run right now more behind Elijah Tucker? Yeah. Is it going to mean they're going to have to run plays a different direction? One of the things he was very good at was being the backside blocker, something George Fan excels at. So I'm not sure if necessarily on some of the outside zone looks and um, some of the man blocking schemes you want to run behind Dwayne Brown all the time because he's actually very good on the backside. But that also uh, fits with what George Fant is better at. So I think he has some discussions internally with Michael LeFleur to see what's better. But I think there's definitely going to be a rejigging and reshuffling to this offense, the direction of the runs, maybe the gaps they're looking to take advantage of. But all in all, I think he's going to be a nice fit in, um, fit in this system. And I think he's going to be an upgrade over, you know, anyone else you would have got on the free agent market at this time of the year.
1: Luke, you just mentioned Makai Becton being next to Elijah Ver Tucker. And we originally thought they'd both be on the left side of the line. Becton was going to be on the right side but then he got hurt. We know that Elijah Vera Tucker got shifted to the right side. So they were going to be together just on a different side. Now you're going to have Dwayne Brown on the left side with Lake and Tomlinson. And then on the right side, presumably, you're going to have George Fant and Elijah Vera Tucker with Connor McGovern in the middle. Tell me a little bit about this pairing and how you think they can work together most effectively.
2: Pretty ironic, isn't it, that you've got George Fant next to Elijah Veritata, which we saw for the entirety of the 2021 season, Sans 1 game. But we're now seeing them on the right-hand side compared to where we saw them on the left in 2021. So look, it's it, they already have the communication down pat. Yes, they'll be coming out of their sets in an opposite direction, and that will take some time for both of them to get their heads around. But I think those two already have that natural connection. So I think that's something that will help George Fant as he moves back to right tackle as well. As far as Tomlinson and Brown, they both are pro Bowl caliber players. They both have a ton of experience. We know that communication is so important for that front five, and I think that's going to help the two of them. I think um, Tomlinson is used to playing with one of the most dominant tackles in the NFL uh, when you look at um, his situation in San Francisco and playing next to Trent Brown. Dwayne Brown's not going to offer that. We understand that it's going to be a little bit different for him, but in his own right, he was a terrific player last year. I think he was a borderline all-pro player, in my opinion. So, look, they're going to be okay. And it's going to there's going to be a feeling-out period, but as I mentioned at the top of the show, I think that period will be less because of their experience and because of all the looks they've seen. So... For both of them, it's their natural position. They're both left-side players. They've done it their whole career. So I don't really anticipate any problems there. And the communication is the biggest benefit on the right side of the line between those two. And I think ultimately, we're going to be okay.
1: Luke, there's no question that the ceiling for this offensive line has gone down significantly with Makai Beckton out and Dwayne Brown in. Makai Becton, as you said, his ceiling was possibly the best run blocker in the league and maybe an all-pro offensive tackle. That was Dwayne Brown's ceiling a couple of years ago. I think his ceiling now is probably about league average tackle, maybe slightly better, maybe. I think if you look at this offensive line with a healthy Makai Becton, Playing to the best of his capabilities, the ceiling for the offensive line might have been top 10. Without Becton and with Dwayne Brown, that ceiling is probably closer to around middle of the pack, maybe slightly above middle of the pack if everybody stays healthy and plays to the maximum of their capabilities. Would you say that's a fair assessment?
2: I think it is 100% because you also have to remember that while you're getting weaker at left tackle, you're also getting weaker at right tackle because I just don't have the expectation that George Fant will be as good on the right side. Some people are of the opinion that George Fant would have broken out 2021, regardless of what side, and it was the year and the scheme, not the side of the line that dictated that improvement. I look at week one in Carolina and say, well, this was the scheme, this was the same year, and he struggled at right tackle. Yes, it's week one. Yes, it's an anomaly. It can be difficult to, to to weigh that. But I think him going to right tackle will see it you know, a slight tick down in his performance as well. So I think you're slightly weaker at both tackle spots. You need to strive for average. Be the 16th or 17th best line in the NFL. And this offense has a chance because for once, they actually have ample playmakers. The big upgrade for the Jets based on last year is obviously going to be no Greg Van Roten. You've got Elijah Tucker playing in his spot. You get Tomlinson playing in the left guard spot who's going to play better than AVT did as a rookie. So you really strengthen that interior. Connor McGovern was good last year. He gets even better play beside him. So is the ceiling as high? No, it's not. But you could definitely argue that the floor is higher going in with Dwayne Brown compared to Mackay Becton because Brown is usually more healthy. And even though he's older, he's not as injury prone. And there is that risk with Mikai Becton. So I'm comfortable with people saying that the floor might be higher. But yeah, I definitely don't think the ceiling is.
1: Luke, any strengths, weaknesses, or general observations about Dwayne Brown that we haven't touched on yet that you'd like to get into?
2: When you look at his past, pro, just be prepared for a guy that doesn't travel that well. He kind of replaces his foot in the ground before he takes his first step. He isn't going to be, you know, that dancing bear, Larry Tunsil type guy. That's just not really who he is. But he's going to get the job done. He's going to work hard. He's going to be scrappy. He's got excellent vision. As a run blocker, just enjoy the mobility, enjoy seeing him work inside in tight spaces with his hip flips and ability to seal and reach block. And I think they're things that uh, that John Benton's going to enjoy as well. So that's the player you're getting. You're getting an experienced vet. Another good person in a locker room, and that's always important to Joe Douglas.
1: Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under. Thanks so much for coming on, talking about the breaking news of Dwayne Brown signing with the New York Jets and breaking down Dwayne Brown's film with me. Really appreciate it. For those that want to check out everything we've got up on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, youtube.com slash playlikeajet, and want to visit our store at teepublic.com, that's teepublic.com to see what they can get there talk a little bit about what they'll see on our YouTube channel and what they're going to find when they go to our store at Public.
2: Yeah, the Public stuff is awesome, Scott. You've got a ton of Zach Wilson merch, Zach Says Go Long, Zach the Ripper, just awesome kind of caricature designs that my partner Alex talked with. They're really cool. They're out of the box, not just the stuff you see on every kind of, you know, jetshop.com type stuff. So there's also uh, a, I was going to say A V T. sorry, Quinn and William's, uh, and John Franklin Myers merch with the bless you, thank you range. Play Like a Jet logo merch, and as always, you can turn it <laughs> into hats, T-shirts, phone cases, stickers, anything you like. So highly recommend going over to T Public. I know it's in Scott's bio. Uh, sorry, Scott's pin tweet on Twitter uh, at Play Like a Jet One. And then as far as the YouTube stuff, we've got a ton of content coming. The All 22 film reviews. There's going to be three dropping this week. Um, we've already discussed, obviously, the Dwayne Brown signing today. That's up there. There's another one coming out on the newest, well, the, now the second newest Jets signing in Quan Alexander. But there is a ton of content out there. Every single week, we'll be walking through rookie performances, Zach Wilson, uh, looking at some analytics as well. So make sure you stay tuned. It's going to be a big year on the YouTube for Play Like a Jet.
1: Visit our YouTube channel, youtube.com playlikeajet and subscribe if you haven't already. Visit our store over at tepublic.com, That's tee Make sure that you check out everything we've got up at playlikeajet.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes, if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcasts and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play anatomy of an ad
3: subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect